0: Hey there, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers.
1: We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. We're still brothers. We're still classic. We're
0: still brothers. We're still classy. We still play games. We still play games. I've been playing a lot of games all at once, and I feel like a lot of games that are long all at once.
1: I've been there. I've been there.
0: Yeah, it's a thing. I don't know, I get in the moods to play certain games and I've been playing some some games.
1: Speaking of games, Seth, what have you been recently playing?
0: So I've been recently been playing uh, Final Fantasy VI, which is a great game for the SNES. Came out back in 1994 and was uh, developed by Square and published by Square, which is actually relevant to who helped develop the game that we are going to be talking about later on in this episode.
1: Look at that! Oh tie-in.
0: So this is Final Fantasy 6. It's also known as Final Fantasy 3. It's called 3 because it was the third Final Fantasy that was released to the United States, but it is the sixth Final Fantasy that has ever been released. And Final Fantasy is fun because they have a numbering system, as which I'm sure most people who are aware of, but they don't have any real... They take place in the similar, same world? They have different stories, but yeah, they're, yeah. they're all in a very similar world. World. Like, there's like the, what is it, the Moogles? Like, and they're like a thing that's in multiple Final Fantasies.
1: And Chocobos are in multiple Final Fantasies. And the character of Sid, who is a different character. Like, sometimes he's right. old, sometimes he's young, but there's always a Sid.
0: They're like very grand story RPGs. They tend to take a long time to play. It's one of the games that I'm playing right now that is long to play through. So I've been playing that. And I'm in the beginning still. So I have, right now, now escaped figaro as it has submerged okay. for the first time and we have made our way to south figaro which is the little town that is south of the castle and uh i'm not just playing final fantasy 6 i am playing final fantasy 6 the ted woolsey Uncensored edition. Ooh! When Final Fantasy was localized to the U.S., they took some stuff out um, and they censored some stuff, mostly due to the nature of the U.S. market. However, a group went back and recreated faithfully what the Ted Woolsley localization should have been, keeping the nuances of Ted Woolsley, but also bringing in things that were cut. So that is available at a website that I enjoy, and I think Zach enjoys, called romhacking.net. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you can download it. And then once you get your ROM that you acquired legally, you then patch it and then you run that ROM through whatever software you have. Like an emulator. Or you can flash it to a cartridge, I guess. Yeah. You could do whatever you would like to do. I played on my Amber Nick RG351V, which is a retro handheld that I play my retro games on. And I enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy VI. I play a lot of RPGs. I'm going to say Final Fantasy VI is top five RPG for me, though.
1: Final Fantasy is a great series all together. What I do think is fun, though, specifically about Final Fantasy VI, is it came out in the U.S. as three, right? Right. Seven came out in the U.S. as well, but Seven wasn't named Final Fantasy IV.
0: No, it came out as Seven. And Final Fantasy VI was the last one to be developed for the SNES.
1: Yes. So all of the Nintendo Final Fantasy games are numbered one through three. And then all of a sudden it goes to PlayStation and it's seven for the US.
0: Right. Maybe because they went to Sony and they're like, "Uh, we're going to release a Final Fantasy game on yours. And they're like, oh, which one are you going to release? And they're like seven. And Sony was like, all right. Where Nintendo would have <laughs> yeah. been like, no. Like if they released Final Fantasy for the N64, wouldn't that be a trip? It would not be nearly as long as it was. But if they did, maybe it would be Final Fantasy 4 in the U.S. market. The Final Fantasies 1 through 3, I believe have been by now ported and translated.
1: They've also been like officially released uh, in various forms. Uh, yes,
0: you can get buy them all on Steam. So there's a company called Pixel Remaster, which uh, remasters these older games, and they remastered all of the Final Fantasies up through six. So if you'd like to buy those, I personally have played Final Fantasy six. And I believe I play Final Fantasy 1 or 2, like the early Final Fantasies. I generally know them by the characters that are in them. I know like the Cecil and Kane from Final Fantasy 5, but I can't. If you tell me about other characters in certain games, I'll be like, oh yes, I have played that. And that's how I do Final Fantasy. Not necessarily based on knowing the numbers of the story. It was a fourth, and that's the game that I played. Well, who's in five?
1: I don't know who was in 5, I just looked up Cecil, his name's Cecil Harvey. The guy in Final Fantasy 5 is named Bartz, B-A-R-T-Z. His name's Butts in Japan, B-U-T-Z.
0: I think what's happening is the original 2, 3, and 5 weren't released in the US market. So I played Final Fantasy 2, which was really Final Fantasy 4.
1: It's so confusing with Final Fantasy when yeah, you so, these games. Yeah,
0: so... To recap our audience, I played Final Fantasy 4, which is also, I think, goes by Final Fantasy 2, which has Cecil, the Black Knight, who becomes a paladin, yep. and Kane, who is a dragoon. That game I've beaten, and Final Fantasy 6 I've beaten. I'm probably have played most of the other Final Fantasies, but I have not spent a significant amount of time with them. Well, Zach, what have you been uh, recently been playing?
1: Well, Seth, I have also been playing a role-playing game, though I'm also keeping in theme with my interest of bootlegs, and I have been playing a game called World of Warcraft Demon Hunter. World of Warcraft Demon Hunter was released sometime in the early 2000s. People aren't sure exactly when, because there's no copyright data in in the game. It had to have been released sometime... After Warcraft 3 and sometime during world of warcraft's popularity so at some point in the early 2000s world of warcraft demon hunter hit the market in china this is a bootleg famicom game created by shenzhen nanjing technology shenzhen nanjing is located in shenzhen china and reportedly still in operation as of at least the recording of this podcast a lot of shenzhen nanjing's games are rpg titles based on popular franchises so they have done warcraft they did a diablo rpg they they did a Aliens vs Predator RPG and they did a demake of Final Fantasy 7 to the NES complete in their own engine so they are they they like to take popular IPs and make RPGs based on them and the World of Warcraft 1 is actually a really unique game the plot of the game is lifted primarily from the story of Illidan Stormrage the night elf demon hunter and the story is actually pretty spot on with the story of Illidan which is totally throughout World of Warcraft, the MMO, but also in parts of Warcraft 3 and in the books that were available at the time. It's kind of this weird thing where the whole game consists of the story of Illidan, which there isn't another game that has his entire story condensed like this. Like they had to have gotten information from other sources to come up with this game. I'm wondering if they got them from like forums or from reading the books. World of Warcraft was, and I believe still is incredibly popular, in China so it would make sense that they would put in the effort to make this game feel as accurate as it is. The game actually starts with the death of Illidan that occurs at the hands of Maiev Shadowsong when she confronts you uh, which I believe takes place in a quest in World of Warcraft the MMO. Then the game flashes back for the rest of the storyline so you are playing from Illidan's early days to when he becomes the demon hunter. It's an okay game. The combat is terrible but it's an okay game overall. The reason the combat is terrible is because Shenzhen nanjing's engine that they designed does not properly scale combat so when you're fighting enemies sometimes your damage will be like four other times you'll do like 30 and sometimes the enemy will be like 35 and it will like insta kill you for some reason so there there's no consistency in the way the combat plays and the combat is also incredibly annoying in that it takes forever to complete I had to hold down the speed up key in my emulator to actually get through an entire fight that I had uh, when you confront Maeve after teaming up with Malfurion Um, so like all these characters are characters from Warcraft lore and they're they're represented fairly accurately from what I can tell I will also say that this game has a hilarious opening sequence so in the beginning you play as Illidan and you're sitting on your throne and in comes a party of random characters They're named like Orc Warrior and elf cleric they all try attacking you and you you beat them one at a time and then Mave comes in and insta kills you and after you die the different characters who originally come in to fight you start bickering about who gets to keep the loot that you dropped Good. and Good. one of the characters who's a troll says I'm not having this argument I'm logging off and then he just vanishes from the party <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so funny. it's like you're actually like it's like you're actually in World of Warcraft like that's the lore. It's you are in World of Warcraft.
0: You're like an NPC. Yes,
1: you play as an NPC, basically. In an
0: NES-style graphics, well, Famicom-style Yeah, graphics, in a, in a Famicom
1: a bootleg. Like, this is a game made by a company uh, completely illegitimately. I have been actually playing a fully translated version that was created by a person named Pack and Sack Dave. You can download the patch of the English translation from the ROM hacking website Seth previously discussed, or you can get it through Sack dave's website as a already translated rom and it will play in any conventional nes emulator if you're interested you could also potentially find a i would say quote-unquote legit cart in the sense that it was an original release from Shenzhen nanjing via like a chinese auction site but it will be in chinese the only translated version is pack and sack dave's version so that is that is world of warcraft demon hunter a bizarre little title but i'm certainly interested in trying some of Shenzhen nanjing's other games I've heard their Diablo game is kind of weird in that it's also an RPG and all of the characters are designed to look kind of cutesy. So like you encounter like Mesistopheles, and Mesistopheles is like a cute anime character <laughs> that's on fire.
0: I, I think we should give credit though to those who like the volunteers that go through and painstakingly translate and localize these games that would otherwise be not translated or localized. Like, yeah, absolutely. Hackett Absolutely. Dave. I mean, Ted Woolsey is a paid vocalizer, so like he could be thanked for the job that he does, but he also gets paid for. it. I'm talking about those who are in, like the ROM hacking community, who uh, either do technical upgrades to games, or do translations, or even even like hacking it so it does something a little different, or makes it a whole new game. Uh, yeah. I was recently playing a um, a Pokemon game that was Pokemon Red. It was Fire Red. However, it played from the perspective of a member of Team Rocket, which is fun. And you can go through and like beat up people and take their Pokemon as part of the game. And I think it's it's cool seeing stuff like that. And it's, it's something that we should be thankful for the community to being so active in regards to it. Now, in regards to the game that we're here to talk about, it is a RPG, which is actually both of the games that we were playing were both RPGs. However, this RPG stars a character that is not usually in RPGs and that's Mario. I really love the full name of Super Mario RPG, as most people refer to it as Super Mario RPG. However, the full name, Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars, is a really good Mario name. It is a uh, a role-playing game that is set in the Mario world, and Mario and role-playing is a little weird, since he's definitely synonymous with, like, platforming. So how did this come around? Well, Shigeru Miyamoto was very interested in making a, a role-playing game, and He was very interested in using Nintendo's strongest brand at the time, which I feel like it's still one of their strongest brands, Mario. So Shigeru Miyamoto was like, I want to make an RPG, and I want to make Mario. Well... Who is good at RPGs? Shihiro Fujioka of Square. Now, Shiro of Square was interested in getting the Square RPGs into the United States market. So, the Japanese market loved Square's RPGs, and they always sold very well. However, they didn't sell very well in the United States. Hence, why we did not get all the Final Fantasies, because they didn't sell well. Square needed perhaps a little help from a well-known brand, and Nintendo wanted to make rpgs which square was very good at making so nintendo and square met at a business meeting and they just started talking about things and eventually the thought about working together came up and they said hey we should work together and make make something we should co-develop something and they were like okay what do you have we have mario what do you have we have rpgs well maybe we should just push them together hence mario RPG.
1: Now development on the game itself began during the second quarter of 1995, where a majority of the programming, story events, and graphics were implemented. The graphics of the game are actually pretty different from previous Mario games. The game itself is presented in an isometric view, and characters have an almost 3D appearance to them, as all of the character models were designed as CG models and rendered into the game as sprites. So Mario can actually turn pretty much 3 360 in the game. The game itself was unveiled officially by Shigeru Miyamoto and Chihiro Fujioka at the 1995 V-Jump Festival in Japan. Uh, V-Jump for those who might not be aware is a line of magazines that was published by Jump um, which is also like Shonen Jump if, uh, if the anime fans out there might have heard of that. Primarily publishes action manga and stuff like that. Uh, V-Jump in particular was video game based. Fujioka had previously worked as the producer and composer of Final Fantasy Legend 3 and was the writer of Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. So of course as Seth had implied he was a great choice to have creating this Mario themed RPG. Now he had also worked as a composer for games such as Mother which was a Nintendo produced RPG and Combat Simulator Battle Gorilla which I don't think is an RPG but I really liked the name, so I wanted to include it. The team at Nintendo and Square took over a year to develop the graphics for the game, um, as they were all CG models that had to be individually created and then rendered into the engine. By October of 1995, Square reported that 70% of the game was completed. Square would then soon begin work on the role-playing aspects, combining them with some of the platforming aspects that you might come to expect from a Mario game. Square decided to use the Final Fantasy games as a model for the battle sequences. So, if you play Super Mario RPG and you have played Final Fantasy games, you'll probably notice that the combat between both of those games is very similar. Now, Nintendo of America was actually surprised by the project. Uh, When they received a build of the game, they weren't aware of the fact that there was going to be RPG battle systems implemented. So, they were like trying out the game, and probably like a random encounter happened, and they were like, whoa, what's this?
0: I actually was reading some interviews with Square's staff that worked on the game. And essentially how the partnership worked was Nintendo said, go make us an RPG. And then they would audit Square. They would show up and be like, What have you done so far? And they would go through and check on their stuff. And the Square staff and the Nintendo staff both loved Mario. Like Mario was a thing. And Square, the staff while working on the game, would make things like Marioisms and be like, Mario wouldn't do that. And And they had to approach the game differently than they did with previous RPGs. But their love of Mario combined with Nintendo's auditing probably led to them being able to Progress kind of farther than Nintendo originally planned or thought. Yeah,
1: and their further development also meant that translation and localization would be ultimately delayed. Uh, with these delays it meant that the planned winter release in North America would now become a spring release in North America. Uh, some of the changes that had to be made were primarily in terms of the localization itself. So for example, in the Japanese version of a the game, there's a character whose name roughly translates to much retainer this character would be changed to the chancellor in the american version of the game so they did have to change a couple of terminologies that we would not be familiar with that comes from a more japanese perspective on, on government and even just local uh, idioms
0: right because i think the the retainer would be the like the aid to the emperor or something like yeah that. and that
1: and that's exactly what the character is he, he's the aid to the princess
0: right and whereas the reta- uh, chancellor would be in western is like a the major domo or the manager of a of a, a lord's estate. So the score to the game was composed by Yoko Shimomura, who used arrangements from Koji Kondo, the composer of the original Super Mario Brothers. Shimomura had previously composed music for Street Fighter II, Final Fight, Breath of Fire, and would eventually go on to compose music for the Kingdom Hearts series.
1: She's a big name in uh, video games in Japan. Uh, She has had her songs featured in a lot of really popular titles.
0: Super Mario RPG would also be unique as it was one of the only seven titles outside Japan that used the Nintendo SA-1 chip. Now, the SA1 chip was an additional microprocessor that allowed for a faster clock speed, faster access to RAM, greater memory mapping capabilities, data storage, and built-in CIC lockout for piracy protection and regional marketing controls. Interestingly enough, to go back to ROM hacking, you can actually get ROM hacks of the SA1 chip that you could layer in onto ROMs to include SA1 capability on ROMs that would otherwise wise not have SA1 capability, making the games run faster. For example, in Contra 3 for the SNES, uh, you can have it so that it uses the SA1 chip and it uh, speeds up the game and it makes it so there's less slowdowns. You can use it for Gradius as well, which really benefits from the SA1 chip since it is a shoot-em-up. And shoot 'em ups generally have a lot of things going on in them and can generally use more speed. So it's interesting that the SA1 SA1 chip wasn't heavily used in US releases, but you can activate that technology in ROMs. And I think that's kind of unique.
1: Yeah. And actually for for those who are interested, some games that do have the SA1 chip are games like Kirby Superstar, Kirby's Dream Land 3, PGA Tour, 96, and Power Rangers Zio Battle Racers.
0: Now, a Super Mario RPG would be released in Japan in March of 1996 and in North America in May of 1996. The game was not released in PAL territories as there would have been additional development time to optimize the game for those PAL region consoles.
1: One of the issues with PAL games when they're unoptimized for anyone who's ever played a unoptimized PAL game it might run slower compared to what you would expect from a NTSC game. A perfect example of this is you look at an NTS copy of Sonic the Hedgehog for the Sega Genesis and then play the PAL version for the Mega Drive. The PAL version was not optimized on release so the music actually sounds much slower because they didn't properly optimize the game but that's kind of a good comparison if you're ever curious why PAL games needed to go through optimization and why that would take additional time. In terms of the gameplay, uh, Super Mario RPG is a rather unique game in the way that it plays. Uh, Not only unique in the sense of being a Mario game that's an RPG, but also unique in that it stands out from other RPG games at the time. Uh, For one thing, the game is played in this isometric view. Uh, A lot of RPG games were played from a top-down perspective, uh, especially the Final Fantasy games. This also meant that Mario can now move in eight directions. um, which allows you to have a bit more freedom in movement of the character you can also see the enemies on the play field meaning that there were no true random encounters i mean there are some quote-unquote random encounters where the enemies will like lunge at you and you can't really avoid them but seeing them on the play field also meant that you could potentially plan out the way you're going to travel to avoid certain enemies if maybe you don't have the items to take on an enemy if you're worried you're going to lose a lot of health there are also some platforming elements in the game and items that you could retrieve from floating blocks similar to other mario games so it was really kind of a different sort of rpg i mean for one thing you can jump like that's something i've never seen in a standard super nes rpg is just a jumping mechanic which exists in this game another uh, different mechanic is that all the battles have a timing component so if you time a button press at the right moment your total damage will be greatly increased as you'll essentially crit on a Attack in, in terms of the game's story, it all takes place in the Mushroom Kingdom. That's the land where Mario lives. And you, player, you play as Mario. At the beginning of the game, Bowser has kidnapped the princess, which is a is a time-old tradition for Bowser. Uh, you arrive to fight Bowser, and as you are fighting, a giant sword falls from the sky and crashes into the castle, tossing Bowser and yourself away. So you do return to the castle, and you find out that this giant sword, who you learn is named Exorcist, uh, has destroyed the bridge to Bowser's castle, uh, thus preventing you from getting back inside.
0: And, and by giant, we mean larger than the castle.
1: And this sword is also allied with the ultimate big bad Smithy, who um, is residing in the castle now and has built like a factory so that he could do his evil deeds. Now that you can't get back into the castle, you must now go on a quest to find a way to defeat Exor and his master Smithy. Along the way, you recruit and meet various friends. Uh, for example, example you meet Mallow who is some type of cloud person however they think they are a frog for some reason so you have to deal with that identity crisis for a bit in the game you also encounter Gino who is a living puppet and at one point you team up with Bowser uh, Bowser's actually really annoyed that his castle is being occupied by Smithy so he wants to get his castle back and Mario agrees to help him because Mario is a good person Your ultimate quest though at the end is you have to find seven star pieces to repair the Star Road and that will help you defeat Exor and ultimately defeat Smithy and his evil team. Uh, You also encounter just random assortment of bad guys throughout the game one of my favorite enemies you encounter is called the axum rangers they are uh, a parody of super sentai slash power rangers in that they're this color coordinated team that uh, you have to fight they're called axum because they all hold a type of axe in their hands
0: now to remind those who are listening super mario rpg was released towards the end of the snes console in 1996 and it would actually be the last snes game that Square would release in America. Now, the Japanese market loved Super Mario RPG, and it sold 1.47 million copies and was the third highest selling game in Japan in 1996. Nintendo knew that the US market is not the Japanese market, and it was going to be a lot more difficult to sell the volume that they were selling in Japan in the United States market. So they set realistic expectations, which were lower, versus the Japanese market. However, the game did very, very well in the US. The game was released in, as we mentioned earlier, May of 1996. And to prepare the retailers for the release, Nintendo shipped out 300,000 units of the game to their retailer partners within a month. 200,000 of those units have sold and it wasn't like 200,000 sold and that was it. No, no, no. This was like the velocity of them being sold and they're looking at like 200,000 units and keeping that momentum going forward. Nintendo actually came out and said the game would Easily hit the 500,000 unit target that they had for the end of the year. And on top of that, it's possible that it would sell a million units by the year's end. By August, four months after its release, it would be the most rented game in the United States with a 14 week stretch where it was at that level of the most rented game, which is. I definitely see that, right? So, like, it's definitely a a foreign concept, Mario RPG. So you're not necessarily going to buy it off the rip, but you may rent it and you may check it out and then either keep renting it because you can't beat it or uh, ultimately go buy it. Also, it would go on for 1996 being the sixth best-selling video game in the United States. It would, however, get beaten out by the... N64's Wave Racer, PlayStation's Madden 97, Donkey Kong Country 3 and Donkey Kong Country 2, and the best-selling game in 1996, Mario 64. However, it did outsell four N64 games, three PlayStation games, a Sega Genesis game, and the sequel to Super Mario World. (laughs) Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. So it's kind of impressive that this late game to the SNES, which was a new concept of like Mario and being an RPG, actually sold better than solid games on the newest generation, like the N64. It sold better in 1996 than Shadows of the Empire, which is just straight up mind-blowing to me that this like RPG game is beating out a Star Wars game on the N64 all in all the game would go on to sell 2.14 million units which actually puts it in the middle of the pack for mario games that have sold over a million units with the toppers of that being mario kart 8 super mario brothers and various classical mario games that you can think of as top selling units
1: as Seth had just gone over, Super Mario RPG was a very successful game. It was also a positively reviewed game. And it ultimately led to a future of Mario-themed RPGs. Super Mario RPG 2 was announced by Nintendo for release on the N64 DD, the disk drive add-on that ultimately failed. This game, however, would eventually become Paper Mario and release on just the standard N64, not the DD. The game does have some similarities to Super Mario RPG, such as having timed actions during combat and the collection of seven stars. However, we'll go more into detail on Paper Mario later.
0: I'm pretty sure the reason we have Paper Mario instead of Super Mario RPG on the N64 is because Square and Nintendo's falling out. Like Square took part of like the rights of making Super Mario RPG away from Nintendo.
1: And the characters too. Characters like Geno and Mallow are owned by Square. They're not owned by nintendo you do actually see gino again kind of uh he does have a cameo in the mario and luigi games the mario and luigi games were another series of rpg games that were actually developed by chihiro Fujioka and super mario rpg co-director yoshihiko mikawa who um also worked on the original game and uh helped create these mario and luigi titles the game superstar saga would feature gino in a very small cameo in the mini games though if you look at the credits to superstar saga it says gino is a copyrighted character by square at the time uh square enix gino also appears as a me fighter costume in the super smash brothers series and the game super mario rpg was also featured as one of the 21 pre-installed games on the Super NES Classic Edition, which was released in all regions, meaning Europe finally got their Mario RPG. Uh, and that came out in 2017. Well, Seth, are you ready for our Byway Pass segment?
0: I hope so. I picked a game for you. I'm not sure if I already picked it for you.
1: I'm pretty sure I didn't pick this game for you yet. So in this game, Seth, you are playing as an entrepreneur. You are someone who is looking to build their business, create a successful life, and really just live what we would know as the american dream however your business is not one that is fully approved by the 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 government you might in fact be violating some federal laws uh you also potentially are also uh violating state laws uh you are um though still trying to get by you have to do this by growing various crops and and building this empire are you curious about this game
0: it doesn't sound like food truck simulator
1: (laughs) no it's booze master
0: (laughs) we're gonna take a short break while i look up booze master we're back. We're back. So Boozmaster is an interesting game that Zach and I were uh, looking at. They're developed by Asmodev and it's being published by Gaming Factory SA. And looks like there is a series of simulator games that have been put together by this developer such as pre simulator, booze master, bakery simulator, pope simulator. There's a number of different simulators or like simulation type games. These games are games that I think I like and then I play and I generally I think I think they're funny, but I don't like 100% get sucked into them. I am going to download the demos for these games because currently what's going on till tomorrow, the 28th, is Next Fest on Steam where there's seven days and hundreds and hundreds of demos and live streams. So I'm going to download the demo for Boozmaster and I'll play it and I'll check it out. Ultimately, I don't know if I'm going to purchase the game and I'm probably going to put it down as a pass.
1: That's fair.
0: Are you ready? I am ready. Like I said, not sure if we talked about this game before, but I think it's good enough that it could be talked about twice. You're going to be diving in this game a lot into some manner of ocean and solving puzzles as you travel deeper into the ocean. Are you interested in solving puzzles in the ocean? I am. The game is called Silt and it's due out in spring of 2022 and is developed by Spiral Circus and published by Sold Out.
1: All right. I'm going to take a look at this game and we will be right back. And we're back. So, uh, Silt, uh, looks to be, a. Uh, pretty interesting game it's kind of a dark horror atmospheric puzzle adventure game personally i think it looks like a game that um typically i wouldn't automatically go and buy but given the fact that the demo is available until tomorrow i am going to download the demo and give it a shot i think this could be something that would be potentially fun to play or interesting at least to play i do like atmospheric games i do like horror games i do like dark spooky games um so i will certainly give this a try i'm going to put this down as a wait because I haven't downloaded the demo yet. So once I download the demo and give it a try, I will be able to give my brain a little bit more of a solid idea. So I'm gonna say wait on on this game. Nice! Yeah! That's gonna be
0: our episode. If you like this episode and want to hear more, you can always listen to us wherever podcasting apps are available. You can also follow us on our social medias, which is Classic Gaming Brothers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. And you can also follow us on Twitter, which is CG Brothers Pod. Finally, if you want to change the topics of this show and be able to influence what we talk about next, you can send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. We always recommend if you can give us a rating and a review and to tell your friends that you enjoy the show, or we used to say, tell three friends, that would be great. Because the more ratings and friends that hear about us, the more people listen to us and the more. People can hear our dulcet tones. Zach, am I missing anything? Don't play games
1: like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. And I've been Seth. And we've been the classic gaming brothers. That's That's right. right.